Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Friends, you found us smack dab in the middle of a pandemic focusing our energies on a spirit of service. Yes, in this series, we are hearing from the incredible stories of women who lead through service and what continues to be a common theme is finding passion and serving others with all their might in that area. Our guiding quote for this series is, if service is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Today's guest is a perfect example of what leadership in service looks like as she uses her gifts and passions to develop educators while exploring what that looks like in our current context. Jenny Peratt, PhD, is an educator, award-winning author, small business owner, and parent. She was a founding staff member at High Tech High in North County, a former school development coach at New Tech Network, and national faculty at BIE. In 2016, Jenny became the founder and president of Craft Ed, a leading voice for the mainstream wave of PBL implementation through virtual and on-site professional development and coaching, active networking, and practitioner-based publications. With a PhD in educational philosophy, specifically PBL, Jenny prides herself on staying in the trenches with teachers and advocating for teacher support to bring high-quality PBL to classrooms across the U.S., Jenny resides in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, California, with her husband and two children. In this episode, we discuss Dr. Jenny's passion for PBL and her journey from classroom teacher to business owner. She shares her experience in publishing educational books and deeper insight into that process, and we hear about her experience in creating learning opportunities for her own kids during this pandemic. This conversation with Dr. Jenny was right on time for me, and I loved where our conversation flowed throughout it. Dr. Jenny's heart for service with a deep passion for PBL and serving educators shines through, and I was deeply inspired by her message. I know this message will serve you too, friends. It is with great joy that I bring you Dr. Jenny Peratt's service story. Welcome, Jenny Peratt, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you and to share with my listeners in this wonderful month of December. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, I'm in Southern California and we just survived like a, a huge rainstorm for us, which is like an hour's worth of rain. Um, so I've, I've weathered the storm. I'm doing well, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So would you do me a favor? And before we get into the meat of our interview, would you just share a little bit about your current context um, in regard to what you're up to in this beautiful world of ours? Sure. So um, as I mentioned, I'm in Southern California. I live in San Diego. Um, my work really is about supporting um, teachers and designing deeper learning for students. So I started out as a classroom teacher. I taught grades five through 10. Um, I was one of the founding staff members at a high tech high school here in San Diego. Loved being in the classroom, loved PBL and designing projects. It's actually what I got my PhD and uh, wrote my dissertation on project-based learning. Just kind of geeked out in that land for a long time and then was offered a position for a national company where I could support teachers with their design and implementation of project-based learning. So I got to travel across the country and work with teachers from other countries and just see PBL in so many different contexts, you know, small school, big school, rural, urban, private, charter. Um, and it, it was an incredible experience for me. But at the time, I had a one and a two-year-old. So the travel was really hard on me. So I just kind of grappled with, you know, how can I continue doing what I love, um, but also be present for my family and have roots in my community. Once I had kids, I felt like that was really important. So um, 
I decided to start my own company. So in 2016, I launched Craft Ed, Craft Ed Curriculum. Um, and it was about continuing the same type of work, although with a little bit of a twist, um, kind of a new flavor based off of my experiences supporting teachers at PVL. I, I definitely saw some struggles that they had with implementation. And so I wanted to really be committed to kind of developing a new framework and and just being a little bit more nimble so that I could do a better job of meeting their needs and, and just meeting them where they were at. So I've been doing that work um, locally. You know, I travel here and there. I obviously do a ton virtual now, um, but I've been able to develop deeper relationships with teachers and communities um, kind of being on my own. So so that's the work now. Obviously, it looks different than it did, you know, eight months ago, um, thanks to COVID, but we're, we're working it out. We're making it work. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So of course we have you featured here on the series of service and that was an intentional choice because of the service that you provide to education, to educators and to education. And can we just step back a little bit? Because one thing that I want to make sure that you're aware of is that while the dominant fellowship that I have in this podcast is educators. Some are not. And I can tell that you are deeply passionate about PBL, project-based learning. So would you just give us a little primer on that to for those that don't know what PBL and project-based learning is? Yes. I, re- I thought about that as I threw that out there. Um, and, and, you know, everybody has a very different definition of project-based learning. And um, I'm going to date myself here, but if you went to school in the 80s and 90s, you probably experienced a different form of PBL um, that some people who have been teaching for a long time will reference. But, you know, for me, really, the definition is that it's, it's work that's grounded in standards and best practices of assessment. So it is a rigorous approach to teaching and learning. Learning. But most importantly, it's um, it's engaging. So it's about creating real world learning. It's about teachers looking at their standards and saying, you know, what do my kids need to know? And how do I make that feel relevant to them? How do I connect it with what's happening in our community, the surrounding world? And then how do I design from there? So um, typically a project is anywhere from, well, right now it's kind of more of like a two week experience, but, you know, more traditionally, we're looking at about a four to six week project where kids are out in the community, they're working with experts in the field, and they're designing these final products that are being exhibited in the community, um, interacting with end users, getting feedback from people in the community. So it's very much a community experience. And it is so wonderful to hear you describe that because... I like that you said that people have different views of PBL. And right when you said that people who went to school in the 80s and the 90s had a different experience, are you trying to reference like multiple intelligences and gardeners, you know, the people when they were focusing on doing projects based on kids' interest? Or what do you think that iteration looked like? Yeah, well, and that's still best practice, like thinking about multiple intelligences and differentiating for different types of learners. But I for me, it was more, you know, going to school in, in, in the late 80s, it was it was more about doing what I would now call like a thematic unit, where say like October was all about fall. And so you'd read about <laughs> pumpkins and you'd carve pumpkins and everything was about fall, you know, and it was arts and crafts. Um, and yes, it was fun. And I, I do remember a lot of things from elementary school because of it. But it is a different model that I, that I reference now um, in that it is much more rigorous. You know, the demands of education now are are different than they were back then, um, mostly since No Child Left Behind. So, um, 
you know, there it's a, it's a, just a little bit more of a rigorous experience and a little bit more intentional and, um, with the framework, I guess, for design. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, indulging me that a little bit because <laughs> I knew that it would be fun to hear you speak about it because obviously it's coming deeply from your heart. So just curious, I, you talked about the fact that you were traveling around for another company and I love this message coming from you as a woman. I mean, you have your doctorate degree. Um, and, and I think is that educational philosophy. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to hear a little bit more about that if you're interested, but really what I wanted to point out is that, um, you know, most of my listeners on this podcast are women, but we do have many men. And I just think that the challenge associated with trying to continue to grow yourself professionally, um, gain in your career, work in a position and have children, and then all do all the traveling is a challenge. And so I just love that you are this wonderful beaconist message that is speaking to the fact that you can do those things. You it's just going to look different. And so you launched in and created this entrepreneurial world for yourself so that you could continue to serve in many spaces. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. And it, it was, it was a scary jump. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mentor a lot of teachers now through the process when, you know, when they, when they think they want to leave the classroom or they feel like it's not sustainable because for me, that was ultimately a big piece of it was it just teaching in the classroom wasn't sustainable once I had kids, you know, that the hours that it took, I was just talking to my best friend about this actually this weekend, we went for a run and I was telling her, you know, it, it, for me, when I was in the classroom, it really was two hours of prep a day that it required. Um, now with my kids at home and we just started homeschooling a month ago, it's, it's four hours a day I've concluded of prep. I mean, it, it, it just, it's not really sustainable. And so a lot of teachers will reach out and, and they're afraid and I get it because it is a really scary leap um, to not only leave what you thought you were going to be when you grew up, you know, and everything you've kind of prepared yourself for, but also just moving into a completely different way of thinking and doing things into more of the business world. Um, so it was a scary leap, but it was definitely, it, it worked out, I would say. So it was, it was worth it. Now I can say four years later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I am half take your journey and divide it in half. And that's where I'm at. My listeners are aware. I actually, you probably don't know this about me, but I did leave a principalship position to do the same exact thing where I'm consulting and I've written a couple of books. And of course, this podcast is a major passion of mine. It doesn't put food on our table. But it definitely has served my um, desire to serve others and to amplify voices. So just hearing you speak your journey and say how now you've taken this and you're serving people who are in similar spots that you've been before is so beautiful. That is just totally on brand and on message for this podcast. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, What do you think was the scariest thing? Um, you're so alone, you know, I mean, I mean, you feel alone. Mm. I shouldn't say you are alone, but you feel alone. Like it, even though I'd reach out to people, you're, you're kind of in this isolated space for a little while. Like no one is really in it with you at first. And I think that that's scary to, you know, you don't have anyone to say like, is this right? Is is this crazy? (laughs) I should have found you two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would, I would totally reiterate that uh, as well. And in part, what you said too, is like, you have this big dream for your life and you're thinking that it's going to be something. And then you make this intentional choice and it's scary, but the impact that you're having is so deep. I can tell that with the people that you're working with, which is awesome. Because I think you mentioned that too, the clients that you work with, you can get so much closer to them than just popping in on a contract, you know, that is periodic or whatever when you're working for another organization. So I think that's awesome. Um, 
And I also wanted to mention too, I just, and I think this would be appropriate. I just listened to this podcast episode a couple of weeks ago, a friend had sent it to me because they knew that I had taken the sleep and here I am two years into mine. I'm going into my third, I guess. Um, and it was, I can't shoot. I shouldn't even brought it up, but cause I can't remember the woman's name right now but I'll link it um, in the podcast. But it was talking about the fact that we actually, when we're grounded in purpose, we get so stuck on our jobs and thinking that our jobs are going to be like that career, that path will be forever. But really what we have to learn is that it's not about the title. It's about the way we serve with our gifts. Um, and so clearly your life message is that as well. Um, you know, you've had the titles and you'll continue to gain the titles, but you're using your passions and your gifts to serve people every day, just in a different way. Does that speak to you? Yeah. I mean, that's a great framing. And I feel like it allows you to be so much more universal. Um, and that feels especially important right now. You know, like when schools closed, once, once COVID hit in March, it was, I mean, that really rocked my world. Like I, I was like, how am I supposed to continue doing what I do when I can't work alongside teachers? Like so much of my work is about staying in the trenches with them. And I've always considered myself really progressive and really creative. And I was stuck. I mean, really stuck. But I think what you just said, you know, it, it really hit me. And, and really, unfortunately, it was only like a month ago. Like, I wish it could have been sooner. But it was like, you know, other people might not be where I where I am right now in my thinking, and they just might not be able to meet me there. But if you get back to your why, and you really think about, you know, what you are passionate about, it can look very different. And for me, you know, it's it's extended to actually working outside of the education industry and helping other companies think about their learning and engaging people in meaningful learning. Um, but then it's also turned into me now homeschooling my own two kids. And it's really, I get to share my passions and it is serving and it looks very different, but it's still the same why. And it's it, it's exactly what you just said. And gosh, I wish I could have heard that like, you know, months ago, because it took me a long time to figure that out. Mm, our paths are really aligned in kind of a freaky way. That's amazing because um, as I shared just briefly, I'm same thing. I'm not, I'm not totally homeschooling. We relied upon a virtual method and I have been struggling myself because here I am this educator with passions much like you. Um, and I'm, I'm helping facilitating the learning through these canned online programs. It's just kind of sucking my soul, <laughs> to be honest, because um, I didn't jump in and say, I'm going to create and I'm going to homeschool my children. I'm going to create these engaging opportunities. Instead, I said, okay, I'll do my work from home and then I'll try to do all the things. And at the end, just like you said, I wish I would have heard this two months ago. Here I am sitting here listening to you going, I got to do better for my kids. <laughs> I'm serving them with my time, but not the passion. <laughs> it's so, it is, it has really been one of the hardest things. I mean, I, I love, now that we're in it, I love it. And, you know, I know people think I'm crazy, but it's like, like you said, I, I couldn't really sit by and watch idly knowing what my why is. I was like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, and but it was another big leap of, gosh, like, what if we're all at each other's throats all day long? Or what if I'm screwing my kids up for the rest of their life? Like, <laughs> you go through like all these big questions, you know, and it's, I, I'm not kidding when I say it's about four hours of prep, which every teacher will go, well, yeah, no kidding, because it's two different grades and two different curriculums. But in California, the only option right now is to open your own private school. So I don't have a curriculum. So I'm designing everything from scratch, which thank goodness, 
I know how to do that, but it's, it's also not really sustainable or realistic, you know, to do this for more than hopefully this year. Wow. Um, absolutely. And so I know that listeners that have been in education understand exactly what you're talking about right now. And what a powerful message that you're giving too about the, you know, these choices and these, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word sacrifice in service. Um, I think it's perfectly timed for this message. And I think that your service, um, is a sacrifice in the way that it's a lot of time and effort, but you're giving to the best people that you know, (laughs) which is amazing. But it's so hard to be at home, especially when you're one who has been uh, out and about and traveled and done all the things. And I don't know, I'll make some assumptions, but maybe you're an extrovert. I don't know. Um, But that, you know, that sacrifice piece of of giving it away to giving it in. I don't know how else to frame that, but I'm just hearing that right now. So I figured I'd share that. Yeah. yeah. Some days I have moments where I'm like, wow, I was presenting in Shanghai not so long ago. And now I'm in <laughs> yoga pants at three o'clock and haven't brushed my teeth. Like what is happening? <laughs> but, but, you know, like I explained this to one of my principal friends recently. I just said, you know, they're kind of the only people who are in a place that want to do PBL the way I want to do it right now. Like no one else really can. So I'm just trying to, I've tried to shift my perspective and say, well, I get to share my passions right now in a way I wouldn't otherwise be able to. So. Well, and you're going to refine it and hone it and build this deep level of empathy and iteration that I think you're going to, the world is going to be so excited to see from you. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing and sidestepping into this conversation. I think the listeners (laughs) are going to appreciate this reality and this realness between you and I, Uh, because for me, you know, my background is that I was a classroom teacher, but uh, an administrator for six years. And right now I'm using my services by coaching uh, leaders and individuals with the books that I've written, but I'm not, you know, I'm not speaking, I'm not keynoting, I'm not sharing the balance message widely, you know, all these things that I same I was doing before too, not in Shanghai, but um, I think that's what you said. Uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah the same exact moment where I'm like, yep, that's relatable. But then thinking about the fact that now for me, if and when the world goes to a space of where maybe I'm leading again in a school, I am not going to be ever championing for what my children are experiencing right now. I'm learning and deep levels from parenting side, homeschooling side, uh, curriculum work, all of these things that I just keep telling myself we're experiencing now so I can use again in the future. And that's the affirmation I just have to keep telling myself. And I'm sure that resonates with whatever situation listeners find themselves into. We're just in a moment of learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got you got to make it such, right? I mean, if it's not, then we're doing this all for naught. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think we, we have to make it that way. And that has to be kind of how we take the most out of these very challenging times. So good. Okay. So I want to be able to talk with you about your work that you have done because you are a creator, as you said. And so can we just talk a little bit about the publications that you've, that you've had? Um, you've recent one and then a few. Do you want to share about those? Yes, I often refer to them as my third child um, because it was a lot like everything that went into becoming a mom. I mean, it was so much work went into to kind of publishing my first book. So I got just shot down by so many publishers um, and finally found one that was like, you know, we're not really interested in your manuscript, but we are interested in this book that you self-published, which I had self-published my own kind of framework and workbook for how to design projects that I had used in all of my professional development I was doing with teachers. So um, we went through that kind of back and forth to 
to get me feeling good about letting go of that first baby um, and to working with the publisher. And so um, I had a wonderful editor and and we worked through designing my first book, Keep It Real with PBL uh, Elementary. And I thought, you know, I, I know better. Teachers aren't going to be happy if we make this K-12. We got to split it out into two so that, you know, each person feels heard and examples that are specific to their grade level. So we ended up making two books. So I have an elementary and a secondary um, probably launched in the worst year humanly possible, which was this last year, um, just because of everything that happened. So I, I took the first, you know, kind of couple of months of school closures to think about what can I realistically ask of teachers and communities to do right now. And I knew that it wasn't the framework I had written about. So I came up with my ebook, which is a modified version of my framework, um, which I've coined as PBL Lite. Um, and it is specific to distance learning, hybrid learning, um, and, and homeschool families feel like it's much more doable as well. I've, I've had that feedback quite a bit. Um, so, so the ebook is, is focused on that. And then my final uh, material also went out at probably the worst time, which was August. Um, and it's an on your feet guide to specifically assessment and what assessment best practices look like in PBL. So they're just, it's been, it's, it was such an exciting process. It took, you know, about 18 months to get the first one to print. Um, so my blood, sweat and tears went into, and I swore after my dissertation, I would never write again. So this was like a big, you know, kind of like when you're like, do I have the other kid? Do we? <laughs> and then you do. And you're grateful that you did, but <laughs> it was like that. Um, so I won't tell my second child that. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, I, I love them. I mean, I just, it, it really is my blood, sweat and tears. Like they just hit at such a tough time. Um, but the good news is they're timeless and they'll be there when everybody's ready for him. And the ebook, um, I've, I've had great feedback that that is meeting teachers and families where they're at right now. Well, and what a gift of service, because I love that you're so real about the fact that they dropped in a terrible year because it's true. It's, it's a hard time right now. You know, we're shifting so many things. Industries are shifting. Um, but that work that you've done is timeless and it's evergreen and it's going to be there. And I love that you somehow reached wherever it was inside of yourself and said, okay, now that I've created this big, beautiful project, I'm going to lighten it up. And I can't wait. I, I think the ebook is something that I need right now. So I'll be getting a copy of that after this interview. It might serve me to help me, you know, bring more light into our home. And so thank you for, for doing that and for, pivoting in a way that allows for you to serve even still. Um, and I know my listeners are going to enjoy these. So I'll be sure to link them um, in the show notes. And I just also wanted to reference what you said, writing, what would you say if we have listeners who are considering their own writing project? I know, I, I know I have many because they've reached out to me and asked me about my own experience. And so what do, do you want to share a little bit about that process? I know you said it's kind of like having a child, but what are some of the struggles, you know, that you had in doing that? You know, I, I've had a lot of time to think about this now that I've done, you know, I guess it would be five total. Um, I, I really landed on the importance of self-publishing at some point in your experience. Uh, I, I think that's really important as an author to experience that. I, I did it, you know, initially on my own. Um, and there's days where I feel like maybe that's where I would go back um, if I could, you know, or if I do it again. 
uh, I, I think I learned a lot from from working on my own and um, and having that control. I think was was really valuable. So I, I would encourage people to think about you know there, for some reason we just we feel like we need a publisher, like they know something we don't, and they do. I mean, I learned a lot from the process, but I think we underestimate what we have within ourselves. Um, and and how important that is to to hold on to your message and 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 really make that your own and and do with it what you want to. I, th- I think that's an important process, part of the process. That's so interesting. Um, you know, because my experience is that I have published two books. I have two publishers, and um, I've also gone through like an author school class and same learned about the differences between self publishing and publishing with a with somebody, and is this true? This has been my lived experience. And what I know is that you still have to be the marketer of your book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. And I was told that ahead of time, but I, you know, for me, the big piece was reach. I was like, okay, I I can't reach anymore on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, But interestingly enough, I think most of the sales have still come from me, whether it was a school I was working with or someone saw it on my social media, all of the marketing has still come from me. So I really think I underestimated myself. Hmm. That's beautiful. So I can't wait until your original project somehow comes through in a different iteration in the way that you want it to, because that's what I'm hearing from you. <laughs> I mean, it's too soon. It's like right after you have a baby, it's like, don't talk to me about it. It's still too soon. <laughs> But maybe down the road. <laughs> no, I understand. It's almost like um, so I was running marathons. One of my friends would always say, "You got to oh. sign up for the ne- the next one that day when you actually feel." Yes, better. when you have the high. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they don't call it the high for no reason. Yes, <laughs> and I don't. I didn't do that, and I haven't run one in years now. So. Um, well, that's that's a beautiful message. Thanks for sharing that. So I wanted to also chat with you just a little bit about um, this whole world of serving now. And what does that look like for you now? You've got um, this passion of your books and you're working with your kids and all of that. You said you're still working with teachers. Is that kind of like a do you still contract with districts or can individuals reach out to you for assistance? What services do you offer? Yeah, it's a little bit of both still. It's just, it's slowed down significantly, I think, because everyone's just in, you know, survival mode. So I, I do have, if teachers, you know, are, are, I call them kind of the mavericks. And if they're on their own and they're looking to keep growing, those are the teachers that, you know, typically are the ones that are buying my e-courses and my books on their own. Um, There are a couple brave districts or a couple brave schools that are saying we really want to try PBL right now. Um, And so that's looking like a combination of, you know, virtual workshops combined with my e-courses. So kind of more of this hybrid approach to PD right now. Um, so it, it just depends. Again, it's not it's not the numbers that it was of interest because I just think so many people are – everything is changing so quickly right now that nobody can really get their bearings um, to really think about developing and growing right now. It's just about how do we get through this week. Um, and I, I kind of am projecting that that will stay the, the, this way for the year. Um, I'd say it's my best guess. Um, and, and I'm hopeful that maybe next back to school season, you know, we'll, we'll be, I say we, like we as educators will be in a better place that we're ready to start thinking about strategy and pedagogy again. I sure hope so. Right. But in the meantime, you reference that there are e-courses. So if we have individuals who are listening that are interested in learning more and developing themselves outside of whether they have support or not, um, the Mavericks, they can do that through your e-courses, which is awesome. And then also to get a hold of this e-book, um, which, or your other projects, 
so we'll be sure to link those. And I also wanted to mention, by the way, it just kind of came to me almost like um, following this little thread in my mind. I love how you divided them, by the way, uh, because that it, that remains so true with elementary and secondary where they want specific examples, their own levels. So what a brilliant thing for you to do. And so listeners, those, of course, those are differentiated for you if you want to pick up Jenny's work. I'm curious about in regard to service, just one more question for you. You're passionate about PBL. You're passionate about um, promoting and helping teachers and helping them be the best versions in the classroom. What else are you right now in this season, since this is a, a series on service, what is it that has you excited in this new space of your life where you can serve others, maybe even outside of your profession? Well, so I started a yoga teacher certification at the beginning of summer. I say I started. It's like the, I wouldn't say I dropped out. I just, I halted. Um, but initially my thinking was what a cool new way for me to serve in a capacity where maybe people are more open to that right now. Um, I've always loved yoga always. I've, you know, I've always tried to go at least once a week. Um, if not more, it's just something I've, I've really enjoyed. And, um, it was a 200 hour class, which is a lot of hours I, I've come to realize. <laughs> and normally it's done in person at my favorite studio in town, but they had to move it to virtual. And it just was, I mean, I'm probably three quarters of the way through with it. I found it was really hard for me to stay engaged virtually. So I'm taking a little bit of a break. I have until, I think I have until June to get the rest of my coursework done. Um, but I was thinking that that would be a fun way, a totally different way to, to serve in a different community possibly too, to serve. So I don't know, stay tuned on that. Who knows? That was my thinking. (laughs) I will definitely be staying tuned because uh, yoga is something that I've never done. And my listeners know that I'm on a running streak and, um, it's like an insane amount. It's um, six and a half years or something like that. And I always know that I need to add something in. So it sounds to me like you were introduced into my life at the perfect time. So whenever you finish that, maybe you'll have to become my yoga instructor. I'm impressed that you're, that you're running right now. I feel like it's for, I have same thing. I've always been a runner. I'm having a really hard time staying motivated without races to sign up for. Oh yeah. You know, with my streak is interesting because I started it July 11th, 2014, and I've just run every single day. And people always say like, what keeps you motivated? Oh my and gosh. yeah, I don't, I don't, it's just every day. It's just, it becomes such a part of your fiber when you do something like that. And, and, and I don't know what I still don't even, I can't tell you. It's not like I started out saying I'm going to do a streak. It just stayed. And then I never let it go. And now it's like, well, I'm never going to until I have to. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So my body forces me. That's rad. Very cool. <laughs> Just one of the ways that I try to keep myself, you know, mentally stable. <laughs> it turns out that it's serving me better than any time ever uh, during but this I tell pandemic. my kids, it's the best thing for everyone when mom gets her workout in. I mean, you don't want to be around me if I don't. So it's... <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So, well, we're coming to the end here. And so I'm ready to ask the two standard questions that I always ask on this podcast. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, Jenny, what would you say? Um, I would definitely tell myself to be sure you're doing things for the right reason. Um, I, you know, I don't have any regrets about the choices I've made, but sometimes I wonder if I maybe went above and beyond what I needed to for others rather than for myself. So I I think that's something that I, I I actually come back to still all the time. I check myself on it, but I think my thirties would have looked a little bit different if I would have stopped and asked myself that question. Hmm. 
Absolutely. And also it sounds, you know, since we're in a series on service, it's so easy to lose ourselves in the service of others. And so I really appreciate that message coming from you. I think it aligns really well because I always look at it this way that when we are serving others, we just have to remember to bring our best Jenny or our best Sarah to that. And sometimes that means holding on to ourselves over doing what others think they need. I don't know if that made sense, but um, it seemed to align with what yeah, and, and ego too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just, right. I mean, that, that to me has been the big aha. And, th- and maybe that's my thing I've gotten out of yoga school so far is just how much ego is wrapped up in what the decisions we make. So, ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. So how about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? Um, and I think we've talked about this a few times now too, is just that, that you're not alone, even though it feels really isolating, especially right now. Um, but if you're making a leap or you're thinking about making a big change that as, as alone as you might feel in it, you're, you're actually not. It's just a matter of maybe connecting with new people or connecting in new ways because someone else has your, you know, is going through something similar. Yeah. I think that your life message here on this particular podcast has done such a beautiful job of illustrating that, um, that, you know, you don't have to stay there for long. It's, there's a new iteration around the (laughs) the corner or up the next pole when you're pulling yourself up out of there. So thank you for that. And thank you for being a, a really shining light during this time. I've appreciated this interview. It went by way too fast. It was just so real. And <laughs> I think right on time messages that I needed to hear, which I always believe there's a mission in our message for the listeners, but anytime it hits me right in the chest, I know that it was meant to be. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Well, of course. So how about, um, we want to make sure that our listeners can get a hold of you. Of course, I will link everything, but what would you suggest is the best way for them to get directly in contact with you after this interview? Um, I I really do think my website, craftedcurriculum.com, I I was a real active uh, poster on all channels of social media up until about a month ago. I've kind of taken a little bit of a halt from it. So um, not as active on there as I probably will be again at some time. So I I think my website's probably the most reliable place right now. Awesome. Well, make sure to link that listeners. And uh, Jenny, I just want to thank you again for your service, for the way that you continue to show up in your personal life and in your professional life and the way that you've served us in education. And I know that my listeners have gained from this message in service. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, my friends, I didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to let you know about a free workshop that I am launching on December 28th for anybody who's on Facebook and wants to learn a little bit more about how to go beyond work-life balance and to feel more satisfied in all areas of your full life. You can find the link in the show notes. I hope that you'll choose to join me, friends. We're going to have a transformational experience before we hit 2021. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.